The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hey everyone, we're in New York City. I'm here with the Indy 500 champ, Takuma Sato. Hello. And we're hanging out here, both winning. Yep. Show our rings. There you go. All right, everybody. Y'all have a good one. Great. Go, guys. Austin Dillon and Takuma Sato, members of a pair of elite clubs, and they have the jewelry to prove it. They took a victory lap around New York City yesterday, and we are going to sit down with Dillon, his new crew chief, and his grandfather and boss on the show today. Hey, everybody, Carol Amanda with you. The mayor, Jeff Burton, going to join us in just a moment as well. But let's get right to the headlines of the day for you. Dillon's teammate, Ryan Newman, along with Kyle Busch and Kyle Larson, are among the 12 drivers taking part in a two-day test session that wraps up today at New Hampshire. Kevin Harvick's crew chief, Rodney Childers was fined $10,000 for an unsecured lug nut that was found during post-race inspection at the Coke 600. And after finishing 22nd in that race, Regan Smith is back in the 43 car this weekend at Dover as Eric Almarola continues to recover from his back injury. And because of an added fourth stage, last Sunday's Coke 600 had a larger points payout than normal. Is that something that we can expect for other so-called crown jewel races? NASCAR Steve O'Donnell addressing that on Sirius XM. You know, we've always discussed the idea of majors at certain races and, and you know, what, what uh, maybe should carry a little bit more points. And, you know, you talk about obviously the Coke 600, Darlington for sure, you know, Indy, Daytona 500. So those are things we'll look at, you know, at once we've seen kind of how the stages and this format plays out and, and take a look at, at 2018. NASCAR traditionally considered the Coke 600, the Southern 500 at Darlington, the Daytona 500, the Brickyard 400 at Indy as the sports four majors. As we welcome Jeff Burton into the conversation, Jeff, your opinion on making these races worth a little bit more? Well, I certainly think it's worth worth exploring. I know that in in golf, it's you know it's a really big deal in golf to win one of the majors. Uh, it separates you as an athlete uh, when you won one of those majors. Uh, the interesting thing to me would be exactly how would you do it? I like the way it happened at the Coke 600 where you actually went and raced for points throughout the entire uh, race. It wasn't just the finish of the race. They added a stage, uh, which gave you an opportunity to add to earn more points. They didn't just add points at the end of the race. So I like the fact in doing it this way. I think you have to be careful, like paying double points based on how you finish or something like that would take away from the positive impact of the stages. So now that we have stage racing, I think it's easier to do something uh, in regard to making a major format. And if they did do something like this, would they have to give everything away up front? Because I think some of the fan consensus was that they didn't like the additional stage being added maybe at the last minute for the Coke 600. Well, I, certainly. I think that you do it in the off season. You go into uh, the next year saying, okay, here's what we're going to do. Uh, here's, here's the races that are, the, are, the, are, are our crown jewel races. These are the ones that are going to pay a little more points. Uh, I like the fourth stage. I, I thought it was the right thing to do for the Coca-Cola 600. I think it should have been done uh, in the winter so everybody understood what was coming. That would have made it better. But NASCAR doing the right thing a little bit later didn't make it wrong. It would have been the right thing to add a stage for a 600-mile race, 
it would have been better if it would have happened in January or February rather than happening when it happened. But still, doing it made the Coca-Cola 600 a better race, made it more exciting. Uh, and I was, a, I was a fan of that part of it for sure. There are 12 drivers who are testing at New Hampshire, uh, Jeff. That's a track that we're going to see a couple of times. We're going to see it in the playoffs. Here's a list of who's participating. What do those teams gain today? Well, they, they gain valuable experience. And, and what, what's really good about these tests now, as opposed to what a old, you know, older Goodyear tire test used to be, is you have so many teams that lay rubber down. Uh, the other thing, look at Alex Bowman, David Reagan, uh, Drew Herring at the bottom of the sheet here. Those guys, you know, they're doing specific tests for the manufacturers, collecting data in which they can build better uh, simulation, have better simulator, simulation information for tires, for everything that they do. So those guys are there doing that. All the other ones are there testing for their their particular companies. Uh, so even though you see Kyle Busch there and also a Toyota test, uh, Toyota's off doing something that benefits all the teams. Kyle Busch is doing something that benefits Joe Gibbs Racing. And are you picking up specific data for the playoffs, or is it too soon to kind of collect that information? It's never too soon to collect information. I mean, to be quite honest, Carolyn, uh, that's what testing has become. Um, it is more of a verification of your simulation. Uh, testing 15 years ago was, hey, let's go try these rear springs. Let's go try this. Go try that. See what the driver feels. Uh, see, if, see if he likes it, doesn't like it. See if we can come up with something new. That still happens today, but most of that happens at the shop with simulation and the understanding of uh, what, what the numbers tell you and specifically how it's going to make the car drive. So, a lot of that's done at the test, and a lot of what happens at the racetrack and testing today is verification of what the simulation is telling them in a constant effort to make the sim work better. The better the sim works, the less you have to test. Remember, simulation became uh, very, very relevant and very prevalent when NASCAR said, we are not going to allow testing anymore. So all these teams made huge investment in simulations, and now NASCAR said, okay, you can test some. So... The teams are trying to use both of them, but so much money was invested in simulation. It's vital for the teams for that to be the thing that works the best. All right, so we've just scratched the surface of changes in the sport. We're going to continue to give Jeff the floor to discuss the pros and cons of all these major changes to NASCAR in our mayor's office segment. That's coming up next. And then later on in the show, we're also going to hear from the Victorious 3 team as we sat them down immediately following their Coke 600 win. Here is just a snippet of their raw emotion in that moment. Austin Dillon, he'll take the three car back to victory lane. Oh my gosh, we just run out. Hey, let's see if we got enough fuel to burn this thing down. Ah! Hey, we got to see a slide to grass too, bud. We got to see a slide to grass. Hell of a job, Austin. Love you, buddy. Love you. Justin, all you guys. Thank you. You know, when they decided to run the three-car again, there were certainly some of the old Earnhardt fans didn't like that idea. But Austin Dillon has grown into that three-car. It's a family number for Richard Childress. This is for the three fans. And I know Dale's up there smiling down. He's got that big mustache just looking right down on tonight and as proud as he can be. Fans are a big part of it. And to add to the legacy of the three, it feels great. everybody. Martin Truex Jr. going to bring the 78 Toyota to his home track at Dover this weekend. He's coming off a stellar performance in Sunday's Coca-Cola 600 that fell just shy of victory. 
I think if we were a little tighter and, and didn't catch some lap cars in the wrong place nine out of ten times, we'd have probably got there. But uh, that's two two out of the last three years we've got beaten on fuel mileage, led to most laps. So that hurts a little bit. Um, to have a chance to win three 600s in a row is, is, is amazing, and um, that's a credit to the team and what they're doing and everybody there out, out in Denver. And I don't know, man. Uh, it stinks, but all in all, I mean, uh, the, you know, big picture is a, is a good night. It just these things are hard to win. You want to get them when you got the best car like that. Thanks to his two race wins and his series-leading six stage wins, Martin Truex Jr. has compiled 16 playoff points, which tops the Cup Series. Driver received five points for race win, one point per stage win through 12 races. A total of 15 drivers have gained at least one playoff point. All right, so Jeff joined Nate Ryan's NASCAR and NBC podcast this week to discuss the impact that the stages have had on the 2017 season and why this could actually go to all forms of motorsports. And let's get into the mayor's office so that we can discuss that very fact. Just quickly, Jeff, um, before we give you the floor to hold court here, uh, what did you tell Nate about the possibility of having these stages dispersed all over motorsports? Well, the stage racing really works when you're racing for points. Uh, I don't think stage racing works at all at a, at a level, uh, you know, say super late model racing and dirt, asphalt or whatever, if you don't have people racing for points. The point thing makes stage racing work. You have to give people an incentive other than just track position to make the stages work. So in any series in which you're paying points and you want to make the race more, more difficult uh, for, the, for the competitors, which, of course, makes it more fun for the people watching it, stage racing works. It, it, it accomplishes that goal. So uh, I think you'll see an expansion of it. Uh, I'm not saying it will be in all the racing because, again, if you're not paying points out, I don't think it works very well. But in, in national series or even local series, for that matter, where you don't have an influx of people that aren't racing for the championship, this can work in every form of racing. All right, so now that we've hit on that, we've discussed stage racing. We talked a little bit earlier about the crown jewels of the sport perhaps being worth more than other races. There have also been very significant changes to the 2018 schedule, particularly when you look at what they've done with the playoffs. Overall, what do all these changes tell you? Well, listen, I think NASCAR has been really aggressive. And it's not just NASCAR. It's the car owners. It's the sponsors. It's everybody involved. You know, it's a whole industry. Uh, that wants to make this sport the best it can possibly be. And, and you know, things have changed in this world since 1970. Things are different. Uh, we've seen changes in every, not just sport, but every business in an effort to keep up with the things as they change. So you have to make changes from time to time. You have to make the appropriate changes. Uh, I don't think you make a change just for the sake of making a change. You make an enhancement because it's going to make something better. It's a major difference between a change and an enhancement. A change is just something uh, it's hope as a strategy, and that's never a good strategy. Uh, when you do something that's effective, then that, that will yield results. There's always a danger uh, when you do make change of making the wrong change, and that's, that's, that's one of the most difficult parts, even as a race team. When you're, when you're winning races and you're kicking everybody's butt and you've got everybody where you want them, if you don't change, they'll catch you and they'll beat you. So it's, at all levels of the sport, it's, it's a difficult time to know when to do something different, uh, but it's clear that our fans were wanting something different. Uh, you can see it in the, in the grandstands. You can see it in the number of people watching it on TV. Uh, the only people that said that are, are people that are denying it. So in an effort to make it more fun for the fans and more difficult for the competitors, more rewarding for the teams that do a good job, the, the, the stages were created. And I think it's been, a, it's been a huge success. Now, how many more changes do you keep making? I think there's a, there's a risk in making too many big changes uh, where the fans can't keep up. 
uh, with this format change that we had last year, that's a huge, that's a cataclysmic type of change. I mean, that changed the way you race, changed the way you pay points. That's huge. And so, you know, I don't think we should make any more huge changes going into next year. Some, some tweaks here or there to, to continue to make it better. That's fine. We've already seen a schedule change. I think a schedule change is really good. Uh, you're, you know, you, Steve O'Donnell talked about maybe the, you know, the, the crown jewel races. That's worth talking about. Uh, you know, laps counting at the, at, between these stages. Some fans don't like that. Is that something worth talking about? But they need to be at that level uh, because we need to let the fans settle in Truly understand this sport for several years, not have to keep getting re-educated on how this sport works, and, and, and let the fans come back. They're not going to come back overnight, Carolyn. We all know that. But if we have good racing like we've had this year, you're going to start to see the fans, the, the grandstands get more full, and you're going to see more people watching it on TV and more excited fans, and everybody benefits from that. A strong take from Jeff Burton in the mayor's office. Thanks, Jeff. Um, NASCAR heading to Dover this weekend, of course. Up next, we are going to head west, though, just for a minute. What does a college football dynasty, a Broadway musical, and a dirt track racing all have in common? One word, Oklahoma. We are off to the Sooner State when NASCAR America comes back. Coming up next, NHL Live from Pittsburgh before Game 2 of the Stanley Cup Final with Penguins with a thrilling victory in Game 1 against the Nashville Predators. One of the moments that stood out from that was when a Predators fan threw a dead catfish onto the ice early in the second period. This is a custom that's become a tradition at Predators games, and the fan who actually smuggled the fish into the game in his compression shorts was ejected from the game. But the city of Pittsburgh pulling out all the stops to keep catfish out of Nashville fans' hands and shorts. Fisheries all over Pittsburgh, including this one, asking for ID before buying a catfish. So if you've got a Tennessee driver's license, no fish for you. And, hey, by the way, where's one of the best places to catch catfish? Oklahoma. Check out this guy. Over 90 pounds. That was caught last year at Pine Lake. And why exactly does this matter to us here on NASCAR America? Because that is a state that is featured today in our My Home Track 50 States and 50 Shows. Oklahoma, the nation's 46th state. It's also home to current truck and Xfinity driver Christopher Bell. This past January, Bell returned home to win the prestigious Chili Bowl Nationals. Those are held each year at the Tulsa Expo Center. Bell born in Norman. That's the home of the Oklahoma football team, the Sooners, with one of the country's most decorated programs, winning seven national titles. And today's featured track is Southern Oklahoma Speedway. That's located about 100 miles south of Oklahoma City. Stocks and Modifieds have been slinging dirt there for over 30 years. And last season, track owner John Webb introducing the Race for Time. That's an event that featured over 100 drivers. It returned all of their winnings back to the track, which then donated the money to a local charity. So tomorrow, we are going to head to Oregon and visit the home state of Nike and also NASCAR legend Herschel McGriff. Make sure you stay tuned for that. Great pictures there. Meantime, Richard Childress Racing uh, held a victory luncheon today to celebrate Austin Dillon's win on Sunday in the Coke 600, along with Ryan Newman's win at Phoenix back in March. We'll talk about that when we come back.
hell of a job, Austin. Love you, buddy. Love you. Hell, hell of a job, man. A big win this weekend, and the good times kept rolling today at Richard Childress Racing. The organization celebrating Austin Dillon's win along with his teammate Ryan Newman's Phoenix win. There were close to 600 RCR team members on hand today. Also there, the families of the soldiers, which had their names displayed on the windshields of each RCR car at Charlotte. The families receiving those windshields today. Dylan's former crew chief, Slugger Labby, by the way, spent six years with RCR. He's going to join us on the program tomorrow. Sunday, such a memorable day for Dylan's current team, the overall organization, and, of course, his entire family. 600 miles. Can somebody strike the flint for their first win? Earliest years I raced here, I was 15 years old, running a bandolero on the fifth mile on the front stretch. Just continued from there, running all around with some dirt cars. North Carolina's where it all started, right here in Charlotte. If you could please stand up. We'd like to see what's underneath these black covers. Austin said, I want the number three. I told him, I said, you know, Dale drew it, and that's a really famous number. He says, I know that. I know he was my hero. I want to drive it because it was your number. Honestly, you're not going to make everyone happy, but we knew we had the majority on our side. The biggest thing is they love seeing it out on the track. And what I want to deliver to them was not only just out on the track, but it running up front. And getting it to victory lane. And the big one happens behind them. Oh no! Oh my god! Oh god. You know, it scares you to death sometimes. Austin, you alright? Austin, talk to us. It's stressful. There was some stress for sure. And the crowd roars. He got out, Richard. Richard, he got out. He got out of the car. I know how bad he wanted to win and how much he put into it. Into the wall. Hard hit by the three of Austin Dillon. Flat out wrecked, man. Works out. He does everything it takes to be an athlete and go out and put it together. To win. Strength endurance workout for you today is going to be three rounds as fast as possible. Tough, um, trying, upsetting. Makes you question a lot of things. Makes you question if you should be doing it. RCR announced a handful of changes. Austin Dillon's crew chief, Slugger Lavi, leaving the team effective immediately. Replacing Lavi on the pit box is going to be Justin Alexander. When they told me who they were thinking about, and it was Justin, he had my 100% support because I knew he had won his first race Xfinity with Austin, and I knew they had something special. To be a part of the three car just in general, just to be a crew chief of the three car is very special. Hi, right, buddy. Here we go. We've got a long night. Track's going to change a lot. We're going to keep up with it, man. Fight hard in there. Be safe, man. We'll see you in 400. I felt like we were going to bring one of our best cars all year, and I was just excited to be able to work with Justin. The sun's out. The fans are on their feet. Green flag, green flag. We got up to the top 10 pretty fast, and that uh, allowed us to have some confidence in the things that we were doing. Austin Dillon expecting a good run here at Charlotte. Just wants to stay in the top ten or so. So we get to the night time, then he'll turn up the win. We've got a long way to go. The 13th spoken here on the racetrack. Nice save right there. Oh, man. That was lucky, 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 lucky. Adjustments were solid. We didn't have enough to really break into that front-running group. Martin Truex Jr. in firm command of this race. We're looking at numbers right now, man. Probably going to be four or five short. I've seen this race come down to fuel mileage so many times. And here comes the leader, Martin Truex Jr. He's going to take four tires. These stops happening with 32 laps to go. It wasn't going to take much for us to save what we needed to save. I said, can y'all make it? He said, we're going to make it. I said, we are going to try to make it. We are going to try to make it. 48 the leader. We are P2. All right, 
The laps kept clicking off and we were still running and we're in a great position. Come down to 10 to go, I'm like, wow. Either way, I'm just proud of the team for making this effort. Five laps left. Just stay ahead of the three. That's all we have to do. 48 picked it up here. 48 has picked it up. Four laps to go. Jimmy Johnson looking for his fifth win in the Coca-Cola 600. Austin Dillon looking for his first win ever. Three to go. Three to go. Three to go. And at the start finish line, also, we're going to put the green fluid. We're going to go hard. Flip it now. Full pace. so much to me. My God, man, cannot believe it. I've watched so many races here, and to race one of the best guys here always, Jimmy Johnson, and race him to the end, and uh, to take home victory lane, it feels awesome. Hey, let's see if we got enough fuel to burn this thing down. Ah! Hey, we got to see a slide to grass too, bud. We got to see a slide to grass. Hell of a job, Austin. Love you, buddy. Love you. Just know you guys. Thank you. You know, when they decided to run the three car again, there were certainly some of the old Earnhardt fans didn't like that idea. But Austin Dillon has grown into that three car. It's a family number for Richard Childress. I got to watch my grandfather go in the Hall of Fame. That was that was awesome. You know, he's a hero in this sport and uh, love delivering for him. This is for the three fans, and I know Dale's up there smiling down. He's got that big mustache just looking right down tonight and as proud as he can be. Fans are a big part of it, and to add to the legacy of the three, it feels great. Jeff, your last cup win came at Charlotte with RCR. You raced with that organization for 10 years, and you know so many of those people that we just saw in their celebration from earlier today. How would you describe the boost that a win like that gives this organization? Well, it's huge. And, and you know, this sport needs Richard Childress racing. It needs a healthy Richard Childress racing. You know, Richard's one of those owners that, you know, he doesn't have other businesses to make his racing work. His business is the racing. And, and being able to go to sponsors and being able to, to go to people that you're trying to recruit to make your company better and say, hey, we're winning now. Uh, winning in the 90s doesn't sell anything for right now. So uh, having two cars in the playoffs, that's huge, a huge boost uh, for this team. Morale, uh, confidence, financial, there are a lot of benefits to winning races. And, and it's good to see Richard Childress racing because, again, that's the kind of car owner that this sport really needs. And Austin Dillon just quickly mentioned something that I hadn't thought about. Your first win is so important, but to beat Jimmy Johnson, a driver of that caliber, must mean so much. All right, it's great when you can beat the best. That's for sure, Kevin. All right, that's all for NASCAR America. NHL Live is next. Enjoy the playoffs. We'll see you again tomorrow. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. 
So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.